Hey everyone and welcome back to CityWide Blackout, your home for the best creators from around the world. I'm your host Max Bowen and for this episode I am very excited because we get to talk about one of my favorite webcomics of all time, Lackadaisy, which you can only check out on Webtoon because now folks it is an animated pilot released about two or three weeks ago to 6.3 million views. And joining me now, I'm speaking with the creator of the comic, the writer and artist, Tracy Butler, Fable Siegel, the director, and kind of everything else for this uh, for this production, and Zachary Nolly, 3D layout artist. Uh, everyone, welcome to the show. It is so cool to have you here. Hey, thanks for having us. <laughs> Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Of course. So um, I want to begin by just kind of talking about how we got to this point. And I guess this question would go out to you, Tracy. How do we come from this webcomic with a massive, massive artist to now a animated feature? Uh, so I, I kind of always um, envisioned Lackadaisy as an animated thing in my head anytime I was you know, doing that kind of like internal process of, of writing things. I was seeing things play out as an animation and that I suppose is owing to having grown up on, you know, Don Blues movies and Looney Tunes and Disney films. And I would rewind them and watch them in slow motion with the VCR and things like that and <laughs> kind of wreck the tape. But uh, yeah, I was pretty obsessed with animation as a kid. And um, I think that informed a lot of my drawing style and my approach to everything. And uh, the reason I did it ultimately as a comic was because I, I had to do it by myself. It was kind of a, um, I was working in the game industry when I started working on the comic and it was like a nighttime project, late hours, um, you know, kind of into the wee hours of the morning sort of thing. So I knew it would be, you know, a solo gig. Um, and so I couldn't really like conceive of a way to animate that by all by myself uh, because I did want to tell a pretty broad scope story with a lot of character and you're animating uh, you know, if you, you can maybe get like a minute or so done every <laughs> couple months or something. So I, I felt like I had to approach it in a different way. So I said, okay, comics, that's how I'm going to tell the story. Um, but uh, I'd kind of always held out hope someday, somehow, maybe I'll be able to animate it. Um, and then one day in, I think it was 2018 or 20, early 2019, mm. I saw Fable uh, say something about looking for some animation work. And I had been traveling the same circles as Fable for a long time. We both had a background on like originally from DeviantArt, like, uh, you know, a different era of the internet, but uh, a lot of artists would, would congregate there. And there were a lot of like web comics and things that got their start there. Uh, I knew Fable had a background in comics and I knew Fable had a background in animation. Um, so I knew like talking to them would be, you know, probably they're like the ideal person to reach out to uh, since they had both of those like disciplines kind of under their belt. Um, and uh, and I knew that also Fable was into the same kinds of like animated movies as I was as a kid. Like I knew Fable was a fan of Don Bluth films and things too. So had yeah, a similar- we're, we're like, part of like the similar zeitgeist basically. Yeah. Era. <laughs> yeah. So, so I reached out to Fable uh, and said, hey, do you want to like maybe put together a pitch packet for Lackadaisy uh, just to see if we could maybe get some animation done or just try why not try you know um uh and fable was like uh hell yeah i do so we uh we put together a pitch and um fable showed it to some people uh who they have worked with in the past and their advice to us was basically this is nice and all but um you know hollywood studios are very risk averse they aren't going to do something new and different like this like just with you know, unless you're a celebrity or a celebrity's kid or something mm -hmm. like that, they aren't going to be, they're going to be like, yeah. Yeah, ten, 10 plus years of experience in the field doesn't matter. Doesn't count it's for like, anything. Are you some celebrity's kid? Yeah. And, you know, so, 
you know, if we can't sell it like that, like we don't know how this is going to get picked up. And it's yeah. like, okay, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could get the funding myself then to, you know, get a pilot done. And uh, I remember I was at Titmouse and talking, and Pendleton Ward, who was my showrunner on uh, on Midnight Gospel, I, I was talking to him about it, and he was like, well, you know, if you want to make a cartoon, make a cartoon. Like, you don't need to ask anybody's permission for that. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so Yeah, so I think we kind of both on some level wanted to do that anyway and maybe we're just looking for the excuse to to like go do it ourselves yeah uh we just needed the third piece of the you know machinery which was spike trotman of iron circus comics because we were like well how are we going to fund this like kickstarter obviously we go crowdfund it um and spike has this background in just like running successful campaign after successful campaign for indie comics and we were like, that's like the expertise we need. And Spike, as it turned out, also wanted to branch out into animation. So we were like, just it was just like a you know alignment of the stars, and and we just got to work setting up a campaign in 2020, mm-hmm. and uh, launched it. Unfortunately, right as COVID uh, lockdown like started. Great timing. Just <laughs> yeah, the, was... the best timing you could possibly make. Just like the moment the stock market crashes, it's like, yeah, All right, who wants to make a cartoon? <laughs> <laughs> Right. It was like Kickstarter goes up 48 hours past first federal lockdown is initiated across the country. And we're like, yeah, oh. it was a like, great oh. feeling. It was a, uh, just the, the absolute best seeing the world collapse around you just as you're like, hey, guys, you want to yeah, make a cartoon it's like, about like I'm running cats? Everybody on social media is talking about how their life has just been upended by, you know, like, yeah. like this. And, and we're like, hey, we're running a Kickstarter about like gangster cats. You want to help us make a cartoon? So, yeah, it was a little little weird timing, but uh, yeah. it worked out in the end. I think maybe people needed, needed something fun to distract them from from all the bad news. So mm-hmm. um, so we, we funded we reached our goal pretty immediately and then like exceeded that by a lot, which was wonderful. Um, and so we got pretty ambitious with, uh, with the pilot. Um, we were originally just going to do like an 11 to 15 minute thing. It turned into a nearly yeah. a half hour <laughs> of animation. I was like, when you get funded, like, like how many times over original amount, it's like, you can't just like deliver to people like here's eight minutes, uh, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, well we had originally like written up a script. We were like, well, you know, if everything gets funded and, and then some, then maybe we can explore the rest of the script. And then it then summed a lot and we were like oh i guess let's make the entire script then and well that's that's how you get like this like breathless like just extended action sequence where we're just like throwing everything out there it's like here it is here it is the lackadaisy buffet everything you could expect here it is yeah so So, yeah we we got ambitious and and i think it paid off uh people seem to really be enjoying it so but it was you know a, a three years of, of very hard work and, and doing it in an environment that was made difficult by the, the ongoing pandemic situation and things. But um, I'm kind of glad we had that kind of a artist oasis. We had a virtual studio through which we did it. So everybody worked remotely, um, but we had this uh, discord server that was our, you know, is our work server. And um, we, you know, congregated done and um, kept each other sane throughout the whole thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Excellent. That's how that happened. Yeah. Yeah, There's not many a session of midnight lack of therapy as we were all just trying to like survive through these trying times. I remember, I remember in uh, January of 2020, uh, I remember tweeting, I was like, Hey, it's the screaming twenties guys. (laughs) Yes. And then then that was real. And I was like, ah, I hate being a Cassandra. (laughs) (laughs) There was the twenties that roared and then the, 20s that are screaming so yes yeah. we are living through the screaming cat 20s. noises yeah, yeah, I, yeah. 
for me, what really like made that real was when I just saw bands just kind of like dropping like flies. It's like, okay, we had this big tour uh, uh, plan, canceled. We were doing a CD release show, yeah. canceled. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This big festival, canceled. I thought, oh, okay, so this is like really, really happening now. Um, yep. Did yeah, you... all those big yeah. conventions and things too oh, yeah, that we gone, otherwise gone, would be going gone. to. Yeah. yeah. And like, rest in peace. E3, yeah, rip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but oh, the, uh, yeah, it was it was especially difficult because it's like, uh, you know, just uh, like listening to everybody talk about their experiences and just like how much they were going through and like, you know, family members like getting sick or passing away or they're having to take care of them and like just really trying to like hold everything together and like keep people like hoping for something better in the future. So it's like all I can provide is the silly little, you know, cartoon about booze cats uh does this help you know just (laughs) trying to to do something to just alleviate the 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 stress around everybody and i I think the you know i don't like to think about what my life would have been like if i hadn't been doing this because like 2020 knowing just how i was feeling like before that and before getting on this project like that oh that would have been like a a whole other layer of hell (laughs) so yeah definitely yeah yeah i think we could probably just like talk forever about all those like pandemic impacts and so forth um one thing i was curious though did this really change how you made this or was it always going to be done remotely through the discord servers uh we had we had planned on doing it remotely from the outset um but uh um like certainly the the fact that the pandemic happened like you know cemented that in stone that there was really going to not be any like you know in-person collaboration uh, yeah. And that even even the voice recording would have to be done remotely, like we wouldn't be able mm-hmm. to meet up in a studio or anything. So we relied on the voice, you know, the voice cast to have the equipment needed to actually record things properly. So we'd have to like we'd get into a voice chat and um, Discord together and talk about how we were, you know, how like direct the, the voice cast and how you know th- this line was supposed to be read and that line and. Um, and uh, and we got we got all the cats together, which was great. So it was almost like we had the ensemble cast there to bounce off of each other, so they could you know they could chat with each other in the Discord chat. But then they would also be recording themselves on their equipment, so we they would have to then send all of their audio to us. Um, of course, because the recording in, in Discord is not quality enough for for uh, you know film or anything. But um, but yeah, so it, we just made it work, um, and we actually ended up in Forbes accidentally as a. Uh, an example of like how virtual studios like are the wave of the future, especially during this, you know, these trying times. So uh, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. We we're like, okay, no pressure, I guess. For yeah, is, like, I, I remember that there. that article came out, and I was sitting on the couch, and I was like, that Squidward meme where he goes, <laughs> future, future, and that was me on the couch after that came out. I was like, I never intended that to be how this got framed, but it did. I would argue uh, we yeah. met the expectation that was. I set. think so. I think so. I, I, I hope think we so. successfully I hope we exceeded it. Yeah, we successfully pressure, did oh a God. virtual studio thing. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I I would I would I would definitely say so. I mean, like you managed to take this situation and just say, kind of roll with it, and now you have this, as you mentioned, just like massively fully funded feature film. One thing I was also curious about when you mentioned that you were able to not only do a longer um, a longer film. Did the extra funding allow you to try some different things that ordinarily you say, well, it's kind of outside of our budget? 
yeah, we, we got, we were able to get some custom music written for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just, yeah, it allowed us to, uh, more minutes of animation. Like yeah. I mean, each minute of animation is, yeah. is very expensive and yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, we, yeah, we cranked up the pay rate and, mm -hmm. um, we were able to ha have, you know, the, the hands on deck that we needed to, to get it done. Of course, mm -hmm. you know, going ahead in the future, we, we need more and better funding to really make it a, a you know lasting thing but yeah this um, production like a, a lot of it was just like the goodwill of a lot of people like everybody right. got paid we insisted even people are like oh I could do it for free it's like no you're getting money yeah no everybody got um, paid that was the rule yeah. but uh you yeah, know the hard rule <laughs> no yeah. no free work but even so it's like a lot of uh, a lot of these folks uh like they're so good they deserve so much more and mm -hmm. and part of like my goal in this is to make something that is stand out enough that I can like deliver that back to them it's like all that effort meant something so you know. so if we can yeah come back mm -hmm. to them and be like hey we have a job offer for you on a full series version of this that's like that's mm -hmm. our dream so there's no um, short without the crew like they right they it, yeah know? absolutely and yeah um like there was definitely uh, a lot of people who just who joined up because they wanted to be involved in in something that was like a passion project uh, but mm -hmm. we don't want to take advantage of anybody's, uh, you know, uh, goodwill in that way, especially on mm -hmm. a long-term basis. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, we raised what 330 uh, K uh, yeah. in, the in the Kickstarter, but, but, you know, by animation standards, that is actually a pretty shoestring budget. Um, and now it sounds yeah. like a lot of money and it is, but it's also, you know, when you look at actual production costs on, you know, things that are streaming on network television and things like that, uh, or streaming on networks and, and on network television, they cost a lot more than that to do. Yeah, so. the, the number of hats I had to wear just to, to save the money for the production and, and like, um, and my own fee, like trying to keep it as low as possible while surviving in Los Angeles, just mm -hmm. um, so that, you know, we could get those rates up to like something that was like, still like, I was like, I, I wish I could pay more, but like, at least it was enough that it could cover like some things for somebody's costs and they could do it like on the weekends mm, so just trying yeah. to find ways to like ha have things be flexible um and always being there for the crew if they needed questions and being very like hands-on with anything I was asking of people and yeah. um, helping with problem solving a lot as well yeah just, um, we did we did additional like crowdfunding as well well fundraising basically as mm -hmm. well uh, along the way we made different um merch items basically and then did pre-order mm -hmm. sales for those to kind of keep the cash flow positive and uh you know make sure we could get everybody paid and and that we yeah. could also do everything that we wanted to do and not have to really compromise very hard on you know what we needed a you know end credit sequence we needed a, another song at the end as it turned out yeah. um and so we were like yeah we'll we'll find a way to pay for these <laughs> so yeah, we did like having to bring on like additional sound people in the end because like our, our sound person like am did a fantastic job but like it was just too much like originally since we had thought oh this is going to be 15 minutes and and they said oh yeah that's sure, sure that's fine um and the amount of time that we thought it would take it just it was like now it's 27 minutes long so like can am handle all this and and uh, they kept saying like yeah yeah i got it i got it but you could hear in their voice the that, fatigue like, the fatigue <laughs> and like we ourselves were very fatigued like yeah uh, so we're like yeah and we're like no you we're getting help for you i reach out to my buddy who i know has like uh, a lot of sound experience um works on a number of productions indie and otherwise uh so i reached out to uh uh to my buddy kennedy and and brought him on as a sound supervisor and he brought with him like a bunch of assistant sound editors to help out am so that am was able to like put 
all of themselves into it and like make it really shine instead of like trying to just rush to get everything done so that like ev like so that the sound like really had like that special unique quality because my opinion is that this is an audio visual medium audio and so you you need to pay attention to sound unless you're just going for a totally silent thing in the first place yeah it's, it's a fundamental component um and i'm sure you as a radio guy know it's like you, you pay, pay attention to sound oh yeah every single yeah. time yeah. I, I, yeah I actually like like while I'm looking at you and looking at my questions I'm also kind of eyeing like the levels here making sure that you know that mm -hmm. you're coming through yep. and I'm coming through it's a whole it's a nice yeah. wonderful yeah. thing there's you do. so many technical details that goes into any medium that like the uh the average person just enjoying the thing doesn't know about just to make it feel more seamless um like making sure that there's not a hitch in the sound where like suddenly it goes you know at least yeah or it doesn't peak purpose. at some yeah. point or something yeah. like that yeah like all yeah. of that stuff or that, and, and like also that it has yeah the, all the layering you really have to do to get the mm -hmm. audio to sound right like like the gunfire yeah. and things like that like you can just insert a gunfire noise like a stock one but it doesn't sound quite right it doesn't have enough richness yeah. to it and so you have to come in and like layer other sounds on top of it um, mm -hmm. and, and that was stuff that we learned along the way. Cause I, I'm not an audio person at all. Like all of my, you know, art knowledge is visual arts. Uh, so it was like really interesting to have those people come in and, and like mm -hmm. really, uh, you know, take the reins on that and be like, here's what I suggest for this and that. And, and Fable are like, yeah, that's great. That's so, that's perfect. So yeah, yeah. I got an education in, in that sort of aspect of things. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I think especially with or with the uh, minutia of the sound, like uh, you mentioned the gunfire. Mm -hmm. OK, but not mm -hmm. every gun sounds the same. Like, uh, like yes. A, yeah, we, like, oh, yeah. yeah. We were pretty strict about that one. But like yeah. part of the, the ongoing joke during production was, oh, the gun nerds are going to chase after us for this one. You know? yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. They actually yeah. have come to our defense. We, we figured they'd be criticizing us, but they actually came to our defense numerous times. Yeah, because... it's like, Tracy, you've said uh, repeatedly that it's like the gun nerds, look, they'll come down on Lackadaisy anytime like a cat's hand is on the gun wrong or like something slightly off. Right. Well, I get like, yeah. you know, yeah. people come at, come at you and go, oh, well, they don't have any trigger discipline. It's like, no, they don't because they're gangsters. They yeah, don't have deliberate. any education <laughs> and like... <laughs> Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah, there's, uh, a lot of, a lot of nerds out there, a lot of history nerds and we, we mm -hmm. deeply appreciate them and their interest in, in this sort of thing. But, um, mm -hmm. they the also will, will let you know when you have done, yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Done something wrong. So <laughs> it's like, this is my specialty and you will know every single thing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we were, we were very impressed actually at the number of, um, at the number of nerds who were like, you know, they're, they're really into the history of the thing. And, and like, so when there's people who pop up and they'll say, oh, why does Seraphine shotgun, like, you know, why is it an automatic weapon? When, oh my God, that's just this, that's so unreal. It's not a shotgun. I can't believe it. <laughs> and then like, they just get flooded by these like gun history nerds. She's like, you idiot, you fool, you simpleton. That is a Browning automatic rifle. And it can do automatic fire, in fact. And yeah. also, it's in the name. Bullets. It's That's automatic. Bonnie and Clyde's gun. What is wrong with you? It's, it's amazing just seeing these people like, um, uh, kind of like light up and it's just like history lesson time that yeah, they I'm, might I'm not, not used otherwise to, like, get to you know, I, I'm used yeah. to having to defend yeah. all my own decisions. Like, people will question my decision making pretty frequently mm -hmm. on the comic and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. they a lot of times it's just curiosity, but a lot of times they will, you know, challenge you and you better mm -hmm. have an answer. But I'm so I'm not used to like having all this commentary and then other people coming in and answering before I even get to 
like I don't have to defend myself. I'm like I'm like yeah. you got this. All right, yeah. I don't have to describe why you know this gun behaves that way and and let let no actually the M1911 yeah. like looks kind of like a modern weapon I guess to some people, but it, it you know yeah. M1911 it was invented in the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, yeah. But there there is a lot of attention like be, besides the guns like there's a lot of attention paid to like all kinds of details in there. Like uh, yeah, the really vehicles new anachronisms um, except for anachronistic the graveyards oh, right there <laughs> the one yeah. joke on that grave that people thought was a mistake but uh, bless you one commenter who thought that uh <laughs> that that was a typo bless you that's so cute <laughs> yeah but yeah. speaking of of those models and everything uh newt here is is the uh person who modeled all of those props made yeah. the 3d models for those and did a lot of research himself uh especially mm -hmm. on the vehicles like you had uh, gm Heritage Society was it that the, uh, the GMC Heritage Foundation, the General Motor Corporation sort of archival group, mm -hmm. uh, which is a subset of the the official General Motor Corporation, but they maintain an enormous database of all of the historical manufacturing documentation for any vehicle ever made under their purview. Mm -hmm. um, so I was able to get all of the technical schematics for the Cadillac all of the design and frame specifications and everything like that to make it as accurate as I could. Yeah. Mm. The 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 uh the 3D pipeline was honestly like a huge backbone to the production because um I was able to like thanks to Newt um who just like God how much more blender did you pick up during production it was crazy how much you were doing. <laughs> Uh, in 2019, Blender, which is a free 3D software program, had like a total overhaul of their UI and it became much, much stronger. And I got very interested in going like, I think there might be some ways that this could be integrated into uh, future pipelines for 2D in particular, because I was aware of the history of animation and early 3D, how that was used like as far back as Great Mouse Detective, but also like how models were used on productions like say Bambi, uh, where those antlers are actually um, physical Traced, models. Yeah, yeah, they're traced yeah they, models. they'd make a, a sculpture yeah. of of the deer model, and the way that they, yeah. they got you know Bambi's father to turn his head and things like that, they mm -hmm. were because that's a very difficult three dimensional object to rotate in three D space and translate to two dimensions yeah. and Even do it if consistently. One could do it, not everybody could, right. and so it would be too difficult. Yeah, um, just to keep it consistent, like they you know they right. built actual models. Corella Deville's car, which yep. if you notice, yep. if you watch the the animation you might see something of a send up to that in there. Um, we, you know, I, like researching this stuff, Corel Deville's car is also a model, actually. So there's a lot of like things in animation where every time there's like a new piece of technology that we can apply to art, like we're like, hey, how can I use this? And um, you you just get like interesting productions out of it. I mean, that's one reason why CG like fascinated people. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just like, whoa, this is different. Yeah, but you can but look yeah. back at like the history of animation and see like like Fable was talking about 101 Dalmatians and the way that they drew that I think it was a Duesenberg uh, car that yeah. that Corolla Deville drove. Um, they they had a model and they wrote it. They just traced it. Basically, it was a sort of rotoscoping of, of a car model, um, and yeah. that's because doing those hard edged uh, sort of uh, props and things in animation. Uh, becomes extremely difficult to do because of the changing perspective on everything, mm -hmm. um, and so that was that. You yeah. know, there's a there is it's a like what do you want to spend your time that. on? Do you want to spend time on like the the hundreds of dogs or the car? You know, right. one of these things like needs more attention, and it's and it's the acting. The acting is what matters. Mm -hmm. So um, because of that, like I I wanted to have, I wanted to make use of this technology and, you know, the ability to like model like cars and guns and shovels and a fiddle uh in 3d meant that 
the animators didn't have to worry about like keeping all of that in mind, like perspective. And then, you know, roughly 80% of my notes would have been fix the gun, fix the, the car, fix the fiddle. Um, it's like, that's a waste of time that could be better spent just focusing on character animation, which is what I wanted them to, to focus on. It was going to be demanding enough. And then in addition to that, we also built 3D environments so that it was easier to, uh, to board for this. Uh, so that as a board artist, like we are often actually cinematographers. And I say we, because uh, most of my career has been as a board artist on uh, several animated productions. And uh, you're effectively a cinematographer, but there's no set except for of some images that are given to you, which you may or may not be able to use. Uh, you have to draw it yourself. And you spend a lot of time uh, recreating, like thinking about like how you move through that space. And you still want to like think about that and like uh, like imagine it in your head even before you go out and do anything. But without like the ability to just go out with a camera, it can be very, very difficult to like experiment a ton for like the best possible angle or like placement and um, because it's just so much extra effort. So um, uh, bless my board artists on this, like Ashley Green, uh, Kelly Turnbull, and uh, and uh, Kevin Slowinski. Kevin yeah. Slowinski, um, for uh, pick, so for when I said, "Hey, here's a Blender model of the set. Now learn Blender and <laughs> stick a camera around and see if that helps you out." And they're just like, "Uh," and uh, that might sound maybe silly now because like blender is like just everywhere now um thanks to that 2019 update but it was only just kind of becoming part of uh some productions as a, as a tool in general so uh like newt had to sit there and like teach all of us like myself included like more the details of blender and i had to get a lot more familiar with 3d software in order to like take advantage of being able to basically walk through these rough spaces and meanwhile, while we were walking through these rough proxy spaces for like what the set would look like, Newt was creating more refined sets that then we would be able to match uh, the work in, in the boards to the sets that he created, like basically one-to-one -one, um, or at least like close to that. And that way, while boards were being done um, and like certain parts of it getting finished or like animatics built, uh, we were able to like work on on background work that might also be taken up a lot of the background artist's time. So it's like, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, we wanted to make sure that these backgrounds like felt still hand painted. So they are actually, uh, the artists would take uh, 3D renders that new provided, which might have some indications of like lighting and shading um, and uh, more importantly, texture and said, okay, take this and like, like give it some actual atmosphere, like putting the 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 those hand painted characteristics back in, so it didn't have that like that glossy, overly crisp look that three D can have, especially when we don't have any advanced shaders on hand. Like this, everything was vanilla. Everything, there was nothing special done. Like new created special shaders to make the the guns and the objects in the car like integrate with the characters somewhat good, um, following sort of what's looked good in the Xerox era like three D models, but also close to what Tracy had been able to accomplish in the comic. But the same couldn't be done for the backgrounds necessarily, uh, at least up to a point. So um, being able to get the human hand back into that was very important to make it feel good, especially in the lackadaisy where itself that speakeasy, where it just like the ambiance can't be expressed fully in the 3D model, even though Newt did an amazing job with the 3D model of that. Like that is 
a really glorious set newt and i really hope we can like get that uploaded to like vr chat or something in the future so people could actually walk around it but yeah it was it was awesome it was awesome to be able to like give this new tool to the board artists and be like go go be a cinematographer and worry more again about the acting and like the storytelling you're doing and less about drawing background details as much as possible um and that also allowed us to like, it basically created like this whole kind of half layout step basically that uh, meant that different parts of production could work simultaneous to each other instead of waiting for another piece to like slot in before somebody could move forward. Um, and yeah, it was just a very careful balancing act of me in front of the train, putting down the train tracks like, uh, like a, that Wallace and Gromit cartoon <laughs> as it was coming down. But there was a lot of thought in how those rails would go and how it would weave around. Uh, I'm full of analogies, by the way, so feel free to stop me if it's getting a little no, like, no, I get it. Off track. Oh, I see what you yeah, did there. I did not I see mean that. I'm sorry. It's a comedy yeah. show now. All right, Zach, I'm I'm going to turn the mic over to you now, sir, because uh, I want to hear a bit about your role. Um, um, as we mentioned, of course, you were like modeling everything that we were seeing in this thing. Was this your first time working on a production of this kind of scale? Uh, very much so. Um, I went to school for design engineering. Um, in my day role outside of animation, I am a mechanical design engineer um, in the industrial sector. But soon as I graduated, COVID happened. I got furloughed. I was suddenly unemployed. Uh, and I was friends with Tracy and Fable, and they reached out, and they were like, hey, we know you like the 3D model. We're thinking about integrating it into the pipeline in this way. Do you think this would be up your alley? I was like, I'll give it a shot. Uh, and uh, Yeah, it took first, off from there. Yep, first crash course was, okay, we need board-ready copies of the cars in, like, 72 hours. Can you do it? <laughs> oh, my um, God, I can't believe I asked you to do that. I don't think I would. Never give that kind of deadline now, now that I, I know a lot better about like, uh, it's like, hey, 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 expectations, a little bit more time. Hey, uh, I had, we, you, I had yeah. you two cars in 72 hours and a steamboat the it. day after. You, you certainly <laughs> did. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. But, um, um, yeah. I just want to quickly jump in here. Um, doing two cars in a steamboat in 72 hours, is that a, like a real like Herculean effort in that in that industry? It depends on the I've, detail level you're going yeah. for. Gotcha. Like if you're doing okay. like, you know, low res game art or, you know, like I've worked on mobile games and things in the past that you could just make a box like a cube and some, you know, cylinders for wheels and things and put a pretty low res texture on it. But in this case, we needed a lot of detail. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he actually, you know, basically recreated the actual uh, car model from the from the schematics that, that we'd been given from GMC. Uh, one of the cars was was based on a... Um, Cadillac uh, Series 314A from 1927, and the other one was based on the 1928 Model A4. I'm glad uh, you remember he... the Cadillac because I did not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's because people have been asking me after the after the fact, and I was like, I went back and looked at all the reference that we had pulled up for, you know, the photo reference we had pulled up for it. I was like, okay, yeah, I've, I've just had to double check and make sure. I knew it was like, you know, 314 Series Cadillac, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, that was the specific one that we that we relied on for that. That particular model and um yeah just so, car like no wonder seraphine is so freaking pissed when, yeah. when it gets popped <laughs> in fact you know th there's actually a amount of detail in those car models that that is a bit um 
uh, betrayed by the the fact that we have a shader on there that gives it kind of a, a slightly cartoony like cell shaded look. So it doesn't look too mm. disparate from the characters uh, as it's you know animated. Um, but the yeah, you, I mean, you modeled in all kinds of detail on those things, like mm -hmm. and, and I then had it, all of their dash hardware and gear shift and transmission. The four door had a fully realized. Well, you saw engine. you see the four door engine. It in had an sure. engine. Yeah. It actually but had it, an it engine. It has a fully realized yeah. engine and drive line. Um, yeah. Various other little bits and bobs and details. Yeah. Uh, that turned out to be very useful, especially for backgrounders. Was like, hey, so now you have to paint a four door engine. And it's like, what? And it's like, it's okay. It's okay. Here's a 3D render. Just like make that look nice. <laughs> this is like, oh, thank God. Because that <laughs> would have otherwise taken way longer anything we were asking them for do. Uh, especially with like this, these uh, things that are like not from our time period. So sorry about my birds. <laughs> They're, it's they're okay. It's not coming through too badly. Nope. Yeah. It's cool. They're real, they're real um, quiet. It's, you know, yeah, ambiance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the ambiance. I provide it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. there were, there were a lot of things that, that just ended up being, um, like, because it's so, such a, like the suicide doors on the, uh, mm -hmm. on those old cars, uh, mm -hmm, was, was mm -hmm. kind of a thing. We, we actually had to go back and redraw some boards because we, we realized we forgot to explain <laughs> to the board artists how these doors work, that they open yeah. this way and not like, you know, like that. So, uh, do, do a lot of hurried revision to make it like a period accurate again, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Explain like the guns and the, the proper hand positions and things like that yeah. for those and, uh, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's bit tricky mm -hmm. um uh doing that and, and thinking back we probably should have pre thought of that at time and made guides and and, and you know moving forward yeah we that's, do that. that's like but, the things that i want to update it's like more guides on this or that, more on that it's funny once you're like the way that you work when you're alone uh it works for you and a lot of things you might think oh this is obvious and maybe you have a friend that also thinks of things obvious but once you're working with like five, 10, 20, 100 people who all have to like, like get it in the same way, you start to realize that there's like so much variation in how people will perceive the information that you deliver to them, that you now have to like make sure that any information that you deliver is presented in a variety of ways so that you can um, make sure everyone's on the same page. And some people have like strengths or weaknesses here or there, but it's still up to you as like the, uh, the, um, the conductor of this like chaos symphony that uh, that you educate everybody on stuff like you team as best you can, because you might find that amongst those folks, you know, somebody actually is like amazing at something. If only you, you know, gave them the time to learn in the proper materials. Yeah. So in yeah. the future, in the future, uh, kickoff meetings will follow with a brief yeah, history lesson. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I do need to do that. That's pretty much any time I ask you one question about like stuff that happened back when, like, I remember I was doing this little, like, doodle thing, and I was like, hey, Tracy, what was trash? Yeah, what like did trash cans look like? Did they have trash pickup yeah. service? Like, what? <laughs> they didn't have yeah. trash bags in the sense that we have them now, so. Um, yeah, it's like, there's no trash bags. Like, are there even dumpsters? Are there trash cans? What kind of things would they even throw out, you yeah. know? There's no, like, plastic refuse that you got to trash. So, yeah, it's like, it's like everything is a rabbit hole. Everything's yep. a rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. It That's, it's is. just a continue continuation of all the stuff for the comic that would just repeatedly come up. It's like you can yeah. really, you know, go out and buy books and and watch documentaries and really try to get a you know broad scope picture of what this you know decade this era was like. But then when it comes down to actually like uh, you know choreographing characters doing specific things within a scene and you start running into all these different 
things like, well, well, this character needs to make a telephone call, but how did that actually look and work in, in that yeah. time period? And you have to like go look that What's up. What's at and... the bottom of one of those phones? How does it sound when it like hits a piece of wood? Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> like, you know, making, like making a, any kind of long distance call and long distance was much yeah. shorter back then than it is now because they had different telephone exchanges all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a lot more complicated. You had to go through a lot more steps and talk to operators and things to, yeah. to actually get through. And, you know, phone numbers were a lot shorter and um, even, and, and they had only just started introducing phone numbers. Like before that, you would always just call the, the operator first. And oh man, just- everything to do with the physics of the car also having to explain to the animators like, no, the car can't do that. I know that that, <laughs> That's yeah. <laughs> a mild exaggeration off of like a, a modern car, but the car can't do that. It would just shatter into a million pieces, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's like, they... it's like, it's, you feel so bad as like to, to tell animators like, no, make it less animated. And it's just right. like, yeah, it's animators. Sadness. It's as, like, as it turns I'm so out, yeah. sorry. It's so good. The kicking, flipping car. It's so good. <laughs> animators yeah. love to animate. And so they will t- yeah. anything that you give them will make it a cartoon right so yeah. but we had to be like okay this is a cartoon but we've got to ground it yeah. a little bit more in reality so we had to like you know rain, yeah. it, rain it in a little um that, so- our, our team is like like a uh, 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 sled like the moment you you let go of the of the break they're just right off <laughs> so yeah um yeah. i won't get too much into the weeds with it but i remember tracy one of my favorite stories from going down historical rabbit holes for the sake of accuracy industrial floodlights for the core uh, yeah. yeah that was hard like, yeah, like, was hard. like no three days of research yeah. trying to find what it was impossible like floodlights yeah i mean there's like. there's things that people are interested in and you can go kind of like wander into their domain on the internet like there are people who collect old phones and old phone booths mm-hmm. we found and so we you know we were able to find good reference for that sort of stuff uh, you know, radios and stuff like that. People are into old radios. And so you can find that information, but there's like specific things that that there just isn't really any documentation for. Nobody photographs it. Nobody writes about it because it's not interesting to anyone. And that is things like, what would what would the lighting look like in a quarry at a quarry site, uh, yeah. you know, like this or something. And we had to go look up like stadium lighting from that period in time. So like if you had like, you know, a high school football game going on or something like that, like how did they light that? And did they do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it turns out they did. And they were introducing, you know, you know, large floodlights and things at that time. It was mostly for sporting events. But you know, we had to go look that up to to figure out, like, how do we light this quarry area with something that looks, um, you know, uh, like it belongs in that time and place uh, and doesn't look too modern and things like that. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's tricky to do historical fiction. <laughs> yeah, you, you have to be really into research, like really mm-hmm. into research to do stuff like that. Yeah, this. it's a big part of big part of the job is, is going out and finding that information. And I, I enjoy that sort of detective work. But I think, yeah, for some people, it might might be just like, really annoying and they're like i just want to make shit up like yeah. i'm sorry i mean this curse but like they just want to make things up and like invent things and, yeah, yeah so it's like curse oh yeah curse. sure go ahead okay oh, fuck yeah, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, right. yeah. So the fuck you want totally cool yeah um i i can only imagine because in, in speaking to like other writers i know that the research is like the best slash worst part because it's just this mm-hmm endless rabbit hole that you go down and you never yeah. come up for like mm-hmm. weeks if, if not months um that yeah. being the case was it hard to walk away and say okay this is done we're not gonna yes do it. Uh, 
Yeah, because yeah. you can always yeah. you can always spend more time on it and get more accurate and and like mm -hmm. you know make sure you know double and triple check your sources and things like that. But at, at a certain point, you have to draw a line and go, okay, like we have a deadline, we have to get this done. We only have so much yeah. budget that we you know we have money uh, a limited amount of money we can spend doing this. Uh, mm -hmm. Spike is going to want us to release a film at some point, so we we have to like you know draw the line and go like, okay, this is it. We found the thing we're going to use. Let's mm -hmm. go with that. New, you go ahead and make the model for it uh, based it's on like if, these it's a, if it's off by like a year or two, it's fine. You know. Uh, mm -hmm. we're just trying to avoid things that were like you know very really wild. yeah that would really Obviously take you out of it yeah all right so yeah. back on uh go a little sideways and talk about the voice actors because the voice cast of this thing were absolutely phenomenal uh, amazing group of talent and a real diversity of sounds too um how'd you meet these folks uh, how'd you know that they were the right ones for the job so I think the uh, the first person we reached out to was Michael Kovach. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, the reason we found him was because Fable had worked on a production for which he had, do had done some voice acting. Um, mm -hmm. And they had a premiere at a uh, small theater, like a private uh, premiere for that. And uh, Fable and, and Michael were both there. And Fable just kind of like, Fable, you tell the story. You were, you were the one who yeah, actually yeah. approached Yeah, yeah. I basically, I, was, I tugged on his shirt. I was like, hey, uh, so I have this thing going on uh, where... Uh, I need like this this fast talking asshole basically. Would you be interested in trying out? Um, it's like, and I, I can't talk about it here right now because it's very like hush hush at the moment because this was pre uh, Kickstarter release. Um, but uh, would you be open to this? It's for a thing called Lackadaisy. If you've heard of it, and he's like, no, I haven't, but I'll look into that. You know, sure, I'll get it back in touch with you. And he mentioned it to his partner uh, Ashley Nichols, and Ashley was like, do it. Do it, I will break up with you. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> so, so yeah, he he uh, he got he got back in touch with us, and and we we talked a bit about um, you know what kind of voice we were imagining for Rocky, and we, we wanted to make sure that like um, it's like he's very skilled, like he can do like a, a huge range of voices. Anybody who knows Michael Kovacs's work can speak to that. But I wanted it to be, uh, be as close to like his his natural tone as possible, so there was just that much less thought. Um, so uh, just guiding him to like something that was similar to his own voice, but just like a little bit more weathered, basically, as like a guy who'd been um, uh, itinerant. Train and, tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I keep going back to trains. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, but then you, um, say you got a train of thought on, on some. Let's not trail. derail. Let's get back. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. OK, right. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. Goodbye. Sorry, I don't have any kids. I can't make dad humor. I don't want to be a faux pas. <laughs> oh, Why? Stop. I'm stuck with please this. Stop. Oh. Please stop. Please, please. I, I, I think I'm like nominally in charge of this, so I'm going to request an immediate <laughs> moratorium to the jazz. Like, to be the subscribers. Somebody has to be the pun police. Here. I know, right? I, I, I gotta... You say you're wrangling cats. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, uh, so, yeah. Um, uh, Michael like turned out to be like an amazing like just like perfect for Rocky and unfortunately maybe a little bit too perfect for Rocky his, his personality is very similar though thankfully he's like a lot more focused and professional a he's not gotten than... into any kind of criminal trouble as far as we know at least I don't think running... so but like You're I haven't inquired too anything, deeply <laughs> that we know about voice actors, I talk to them like you are a little too close to your character and I am deeply concerned <laughs> yeah but we, <laughs> but we we started out by having him record the, the poem uh, mm -hmm. from the very beginning which is something that came from directly from the comic um and we did a few test reads for that to try to nail down like what that would sound like and uh he was just doing a great job with it and um 
we actually had to have them recorded a couple of additional times mm -hmm. um, before we ended up like settling on the exact version we wanted because we knew going in that, you know, uh, uh, poetry at the yeah. start of a, a gangster flick, um, an animated one at that was a bit of a hard sell. So a, a bit it's odd. It starts off in a very weird way, but it was also kind of the challenge to the audience is like, okay, if you can put up with this, you will probably love the rest of it. Probably. We I hope, hope so. Yeah. 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 So, um, it doesn't seem yeah. to have scared off too many people, although we did hear a few, you know, gripes about why is there a poem? The poem is too long. What is this poem? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. That's but, what the pretty yeah. colors are for. It's like, not if you don't like the poem, look at the beautiful colors, look at the pretty kitty. Yeah. Not <laughs> everyone's fine. a fan, fan of yeah. poetry. We, we get that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, no, Mike, Mike did a great job and he was just fantastic at that maniacal laughter too. So, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. so then we started, so he actually got us in touch with some additional voice, voice cast mm -hmm. who, who then reached out to us with their, their demo reels and audition tapes mm -hmm. and things. And uh, it, it we, turns out that voice actors know other voice actors. So when you say, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out for more people and I got to put out this, a cold call. Um, can you let some of your buddies know that actually this is for serious? Because again, before like Kickstarter release, I couldn't talk about it publicly and yet my best way of networking with people was like through like my social media accounts so how do i reach out to folks because again like i might be like in animation but like i'm not as hooked into the voice acting community as a voice actor would be mm -hmm. so uh by talking to to mike and him like reaching out to buddies um he was able to you know like kind of put out the word uh for some just amazingly talented people to like try out um and uh we just found some, some just really really cool actors like really cool people uh and then sung wong cho uh um the voice of mordecai was the second person that i contacted and his story is kind of interesting because mm -hmm. uh well before he was ever like the pro zd i guess as the internet uh, regards him uh he actually started off on the internet just doing lackadaisy dubs like he would just just as a fan he uh he just wanted to do he's like hey I, I love this comic and i i want to start you know learning how to voice act so i figured i'll you know record myself like playing these different characters and i'll put it up online and uh tracy saw it years ago so like that's how he started off so when i when we were talking about like okay like who do we cast for these and you know, I was like, well, I, you know, knowing Mike's performance in the, in the other production that we were on together, um, I was like, I really liked how he was able to like embed a little subtlety into a character that was otherwise like so super bombastic. And I thought that that might, you know, translate well into Rocky. Um, and also just the ability to talk a lot really quickly without like losing track of what he was saying. But, uh, and I, so I had an idea that maybe he might work out for Rocky but I couldn't think in my head, like, who would work out for Mordecai? And I said to Tracy, like, well, how do you imagine Mordecai sounding? And she was like, there is this guy. Uh, he goes by ProZD online, and he did these dubs, like, years ago. And I always thought, like, you say it, Tracy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I kind of always, like, thought, well, that is basically canonical Mordecai in my head. Like, yeah. at this point, he just did such a good job of, of nailing Mordecai. A lot of other people would... Uh, do voices for him and give him a British accent or things like that. And I was just yeah. like, no, nah, I mean, I, I can see why people like interpret him that way. And that's totally fine and valid. But, um, but uh, Sung Wan just seemed to like really get that that wasn't quite his deal. He's just very like, uh, like it's an affectation of his and, and he's monotone and deadpan and very deliberate, like I'm very serious kind of way. 
Um, and, uh, and so it wasn't like poshness that he was giving off. It was more like, you know, seriousness and, mm -hmm. uh, that he really wanted to convey, even though, you know, a lot of the time he's losing his cool. And <laughs> yeah, I like, I like his performance. Like but, he, he's really good at, uh, the, um, like, I'm serious. I'm a very serious guy. I'm serious. I say. Yeah, he's, like that, that edge not everyone around him is convinced yeah. that like his, yeah. his colleagues know that they can push his buttons and get a, get a reaction out of him. But, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so we, so I said that to Fable thinking there's no way we're going to be able to get pro ZD at this point. Like Sungwon is, is a big deal. He's, he's doing voices and like everything. He's like doing God of War and things like that. But I didn't point. know that. So I and so Fable just ran email. off and contacted him and, and was like, hey, you want to do this thing? This is I, a scam. I remember, <laughs> I remember the email was like, hi, this is not a scam. Anyway, <laughs> and I so, and, to explain. You know, much to our, our great blessing and luck, mm -hmm. uh, he agreed to do it. And he was like, yeah, I'm down for that. And uh, yeah, he was just great to work with and, um, you know, brought his his voice that he had been doing for Mordecai to it. And we barely had to give him any direction at all. Cause he kind of had already nailed it. it. So yeah. yeah. He's like, what um, kind of voice do you want me to do? It's like the one that you did seven years ago was pretty good. And I remember I was listening to the dubs when you mentioned it, Tracy. And I was just like, oh, these were seven years ago. I bet he's even better now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. I remember you were warning. was like, Oh, he's like, he's, he's probably really busy. And I'm like, nah, you'd be surprised by people. I'll just like email him. We'll see what happens. <laughs> But yeah, yeah he, was, he was really good. Um, uh, real pleasure to work with. I mean, all of them are a pleasure to work with. Yeah, they were um, all fabulous. Yeah. Uh, for some of them, we had to we had to listen to lots and lots of audition tapes oh, yeah. to really find the right person. Um, and and for some of them, it was like, oh, that's it, that's the person. Like, it, it really wasn't a matter of we got so many like uh, demo like as we, when we did a casting call because because mm -hmm. a lot of the people we cast before we even. Um, you know, did any kind of casting call because Mike had, had let his, you know, voice actor friends know that we were hiring. But, um, but then once we did start doing, uh, you know, public calls for uh, people to submit their reels, we got flooded with things. Um, there are a lot of, a lot of really talented people out there and a lot of them, you know, a lot of people looking to get into voice acting. And so, you know, much of it was just like, it wasn't so much that somebody lacked the skill level we needed. It was just that they like, you know, we would often pick people because it was like, oh, that's the character in my head. That sounds just like that. So, yeah, I would um, listen to these. I would I would listen to tryouts and um, I would just try to picture the character uh, like saying those lines, basically. And it's like, what did I picture? Like, what kind of like movement were they making at that time? Like and and based on like what I could picture, like what like how that voice would inspire performance. Um, so it's like, you know, I, I have a lot of animation background specifically as well. I was just like, okay, this one feels like this would be like, there, there's something about this voice, which like describes like some tension to it. You know, in the case of Freckle, like this kind of like, just, you know, nervousness, but like this desire to, to bust out or like with Ivy, just like pure exuberance, just pure, like just bounce and, and chipperness and just like excited to be there. Um, oh man, we, we had a good time like going through all those, like uh, finding Zib was a challenge. <laughs> I remember looking through the list of people and be like, ha, one of these gays is named Valentine Stokes. Can you imagine if we, we cast the guy named Valentine as Zib? And then it turns out he was the best guy for the job. So yeah, we had been like, uh, I think I gave Fable reference of, of uh, young Tom Waits just doing yeah. an interview and being kind of squirrely about it, but also like yeah. in that very raspy voice of his. And uh, yeah. we're like, that's kind of that, that sort of thing. And so yeah, we found uh, Valentine that way, and he was just great for that. Um, and uh, but we had to listen to a lot of a lot of tapes before we, you know, arrived at that one. 
Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, Nico and Seraphine were also like very, we wanted a very specific, you know, sort yeah. of dialect for them. And we wanted to, we wanted people who had a background from that because we didn't want to have to explain yeah. to people how to do like, uh, like a I didn't want to be the Louisiana Creole expert right. in the room. You know, I got a family down uh, uh, in Louisiana. Like I'm from New Hampshire, but like my mother's from down there. It's, it's an, I, I don't want to be in like, you know, with something that's like so very specific cultural thing, like explaining to somebody, okay, like actually you're not supposed to pronounce it like that, or actually it would be like this affectation or that kind of thing. It's like to have it just like be something that they could pull from um, uh, just out of like memory of family uh, would just be so much stronger. So um, I was willing to just like leave open uh, the, the roles until we found the right people because it was, it was really challenging when you put out a thing that says, hey, we're looking for people of like Creole, Cajun, Louisiana background, um, you know, apply here and use voice like this. And so, a lot of people will submit stuff that looks like a, that sounds like a Texas, you know, yeah, playing or a draw. Apple Jacks or... applying for, for Seraphine yeah, is what yeah. ended up happening. Yeah. yeah and like maybe to the... the average person, they'd be like, well, it's the same thing. It's like, nah, like again, since I've, you know, family down there, Louisiana Creole does not sound like Texan. It doesn't sound like Georgia. It doesn't sound like the panhandle, you know, the, these, these, uh, you know, even within Louisiana itself, there's like a lot of regional differences to speech. So, um, I just wanted to pull from something that was like that. Cause you, you never see it well represented, uh, like, uh, when it comes to like most people's idea of like what Cajun is, is Gambit from X-Men, which is never done right. Never done what? right at all. What? No. Gambit's I... never right. Oh my Gambit God. Gambit is very not correct. Fable, you are just destroying my, so, so, so you're telling I'm me so the Gambit. I'm so sorry. Look, he's, he's very, look, he's very lovely and I like the way he talks too, but it, 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 it ain't Cajun. So but, uh, the Gambit yeah. from the 1990s X-Men was not accurate in the slightest, huh? No, no. In fact, he's actually one of the worst. <laughs> Very charming. Like the performance is fun, but not not quite accurate. Uh, but, um, damn. I wanted to like find somebody who knew that, and uh, we managed to find Malcolm um, and Benny, who um, both have like background and like that describes their family. And even though the, neither of the families currently live in in Louisiana, um, they were just like the instant they were talking to each other, they just clicked. You could believe they were brother and sister. And it was funny, like Betty was saying to Malcolm, it's like, in all honest, she was like, you know, in all possibility, like we might be like distant cousins or something because it's like, turns out that their families were th from the exact same area of Louisiana. Oh. Yeah. Right. So, um, but yeah, they were, uh, you know, when uh, they're pulling from their performance, like they're thinking of like family, like Malcolm told me, it was like, he's specifically channeling his grandmother actually when he's playing Nico, which I thought was like really adorable. Um, but yeah, like, oh my God, Th those two are just like, have such charisma. They're so magnetic. And I was just so happy because uh, Nicodem and, and Seraphine are two of my favorite characters in Lackadaisy. And I really wanted them to come across as like, not just like, oh, here's the villains and they're just like sloppy or like floating around or whatever. It's like, nah, nah, you you are like, yeah, rooting for them to shoot these guys. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I think Betty said like one of one of the lines uh, when she was recording because she would like just make some stuff up sometimes and sometimes it was so good we're like oh we're throwing that in like eleven kinds of stupid is is absolutely her yeah they did a lot of improv yeah. and they just kind of we just rewrote lines around them because they were yeah. just having so they're much just fun better lines, so. <laughs> better yeah. lines and we invited them to also it's like hey we threw something in here but if you can think of something better go for it um, 
And, and that's what you can do when that is someone's background. You can say, what we have here, if you can figure out an improvement and you think you know the character better, how they might this might flow, go for it. Like we'll experiment. Um, and just like, it, it was just so good. Like, and they, they just, all the, all the cast members like just instantly got their characters. Just, they just knew them. And uh, so it took like practically no time at all for them to just like settle into those roles. And then when you put them together, like, oh man, it, it gets even better. Like getting them yeah. to record uh, together in a voice call, even though it was like, there was a lot of like, again, bootstrapping with that, where you're just kind of like praying that uh, everybody's sound environments were gonna sound decent. And uh, partially because of COVID, a lot of them had actually updated their at-home recording equipment to make at-home recording possible. And they made booths and things, or they yeah. got they climbed into a closet to record in there because or that in, was Or like, in Mike's case, like he was under a bunch a of blankets car. first, and then he was in a yep. hot car with yep. no AC, <laughs> with a dying <laughs> laptop, recording those maniacal screams in a garage. <laughs> yeah, oh. it's like the, all that, that whole climactic sequence is actually a second take on that because he moved from an apartment to a house during that period. And I was like, hey, I wanna see if we can do another take on the, the laughter bit because I have an inkling that you might've actually been holding back when you were in the apartment because one does not want to have the cops called on them. And now that everybody has seen like that act three climax, you might understand why I, I, I was like, you might have the cops called on you if you were in an apartment making those noises. Yeah, I <laughs> so, can see that leading yeah. to some awkward situations. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, he was like, he was actually in a car when he was recording that. It was just amazing. Damn. Um, yeah. But uh, like huge credit to M by the way, to uh, making all the, the that a technical possibility because as best as any of them could record, there was just going to be differences. There just would be. Um, we even had like a difficulty with uh, Horatio where we didn't realize that the, uh, uh, that Walter, the, the voice actor for uh, Horatio, that his microphone was picking up like a lot of bouncing around from the room around him because we didn't realize just how much Discord was actually cutting out a bunch of noise. So thankfully though, Horatio is in a cave. <laughs> so it a slight cavey sound is fine <laughs> so uh but yeah i actually managed to make a lot work like uh really really making it like come as close to possible as you know uniform as we could do uh maybe not entirely but you have to be pretty good to spot it you have to be pretty good to spot it so so i would say like fucking you know a plus work man <laughs> absolutely so, oh yeah the yeah the voice work was so on point. I mean, like, especially I think, um, Mordecai, this is exactly mm -hmm. how I thought he was sounding in real life. When he started talking, I was like, yeah. boom, it's exactly what I was thinking. Absolutely. Um, I also want to ask about music because the music in this thing was so damn good. I just love oh, that. Thanks. The, mm -hmm. I just love that particular style of music. Um, mm -hmm. and the group behind this is, uh, Sepia Tonic. Yeah, um, yeah. The the song Olive Branch that, that you hear during the car chase scene is yeah. is them. Um mm -hmm. and yeah, we uh we had them record that for us specifically and we they made modifications as we requested mm -hmm. them. Like all the violin was something that we requested be added in because we really wanted mm -hmm. that thematic thing to carry on throughout the whole pilot because mm -hmm. you know, Rocky opens with the violin. Um and uh you know, we had requested things like uh they they had a siren sound in there initially and we're like, can we make that an analog sound instead? Because mm -hmm. it sounds a little too modern. Something that yeah, sounds so like wanna... it's from the nineteen twenties, like playing around with like crunch and scratch and grunge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And they they dropped this. They had this like beat drop in there that we're just like, oh, that's perfect for this thing. Oh that yeah, it's like, oh like, yeah, dubstep step in my electro swing <laughs> historical cat costume. Yeah, cartoon. I yeah. Love it. We knew we knew there'd be some jazz purists who would not be thrilled with us doing this, but we were like, you know, we do have to make this for a modern audience, and we do really but like also the sound we thought of this. It was sick as fuck, so yeah, it was cool. <laughs> so we we're like, yeah, we're gonna play a little fast and loose with the 1920s yeah. music, and um, but uh, you know, it, toward the end, we reincorporated a little bit more of that, but you know and also but also played you know mm-hmm. has a modern angle to it as well but um uh you know ni- 1920s music is a little bit of tough sell for for a modern audience um but uh it's not it's not from a lack of love for it mm-hmm. <laughs> and we didn't include you know stuff that's like just really genuinely recorded at that point in time yeah, yeah the music that you hear is is actually largely kind of like in a sense, like what inspired Lackadaisy, because mm-hmm. uh, you, Tracy, had actually gotten really into electro swing and stuff, like more more than just a. Well, yeah, as as I was doing, I mean, when I was yeah. developing the comic, I was listening to a lot of like Squirrel Nut Zippers and Pair of mm-hmm. Stellar and things like that, and then and then mm-hmm. Caravan Palace came out, and people were always linking me to Caravan Palace songs. Yeah. I'm like, oh, these are really cool. I, I love, love these. the Furry Vines video. Like Lone Digger is just like wonderfully done. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, and that um, music video goes places. Yeah, oh it does. yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we, we felt that like, you know, we really love that. It's catchy. We were listening to to a lot of it while we were working and, and um, it just felt like the, the right thing for this, uh, you know, this pilot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also actually found the violinist for Rocky uh, through Sepia Tonic. Um, yeah. They were using somebody uh, named Fabrice Yu and that's who they brought in to add the violin when we asked them to. Um, and he's got this kind of like jazz funk style, like punk style sort of thing that... Yeah. Um, it's like how it's like what does jazz folk violin sound like? And it's like that's Fabrice you view at uh, you basically. Uh yeah, it's like it's, it's like, like we were so like, impressed by this performance that I reached out to Anthony Mee, the 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 guy one of the guys behind Sepia Tonic, and I was like, Hey, who's your who's the fiddler? Can I get in touch with them? And uh and he was like, Sure, and uh gave me Fabrice's information and we started chatting him up and uh he became our go go to violin guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the whole beginning bit with the poetry, we 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 recorded him live improving that he's actually improving over Mike's actual lines uh, and just like coming up with stuff like right like three or four. Well, he would give us like yeah, he would hour. like give us yeah. three or four different versions of each yeah. for each stanza that Rocky recites. He would give us a bunch of things to work with, and then Fable later stitched them together, and then they handed it to M to like fully mm-hmm. integrate, but. Um, but yeah, he, he was great. And we, so we recorded his actual playing while he was doing that. So we could give it to the animators as reference so that his finger motion and, you know, the, the bow and everything were, mm-hmm. were kind of matching up to actually what violin playing looks like, because as you know, in a lot of cartoons, probably like they just kind of fake it. <laughs> um, yeah. they don't really, you know, but we wanted to be a little more authentic than that. So, um, yeah, we, we made sure we, we had some good reference material for the animators and Fabrice was just fantastic in, in you know, letting us. Yeah, um, it was just like, that's that's how I imagine Rocky playing violin, like just to a T. So uh, he did a great mm-hmm. job. Very patient guy also, because we were asking him to do things that he wasn't entirely used to. Yeah, it was definitely out of his comfort zone to be, yeah. you know, on Discord and, and recording himself and on a webcam and stuff. But he, he, you know, toughed it out with us. And that was great because we got some really good material out of it, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, came back yeah, to us then- for the climax where I was like, hey, uh, like uh, I asked M, could you like, could we have like a little bit of, of violin in here just to like amp up the drama that is this? So like we're we're back in Rocky's headspace, basically, which mm-hmm. like initiates the oh shit, here comes the violin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's time for dread. Um, 
and it just it, it needed something it was missing something without like some kind of like upsetting noise so as all the all the sound work that m had done was just like fantastic but it was just it was just something missing and so um uh i i remember describing to emma it's like that it's like so what i'm imagining with the violin is like and I'm like, does, does that make sense? And I'm like, yeah, I think I get it. I just like came back with just like uh, with uh, this this spine for this like musical sequence that we ended up calling like the sudden circus. That is just fantastic. And uh, and yeah, just like using like the um, just playing around and like composing something uh, that then Fabrice could use and just like quickly like uh, do his pass on it and like his interpretations of that. And that was one of the benefits of of having M on board uh, because M actually has a background as a composer and uh, as well as a musician. Um, so I think this was uh, M's like first major sound design thing. I think they had done some uh, video game work and stuff before, um, and they had been pointed to me by um, this uh, other music person I follow online called TVMA Noise, uh, who's also very skilled. And I had reached out and was like, "Hey, uh, I'm looking for a sound person." Uh, are you or do you know anybody who would be available? I need someone who can do this, this, and this. And, and the ability to like potentially come up with music was, was one of the things I wanted because I felt like somebody who understood music might bring an interesting quality to the sound design that um, people don't normally expect. It's like just that, that interest in not just noise, but also no sound whatsoever. And when you choose to put that in, which is a, big thing when you're making music is when not to play the note so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right all right well folks uh we are about to wrap this thing up uh i don't really want to because i feel like there's really a lot more uh, that we can talk about but oh i could talk for years about this <laughs> i can <laughs> yeah. I, really i could not have guessed <laughs> but i do want to leave with this question what is next both for the animated series and for the comic itself yeah, I'm I'm kind of desperate to get back to the comic. It's been uh, um, like a, quite an adventure these past few years working on this thing, and it's been amazing. Um, I I wouldn't trade it for the world. But yeah, I've also been kind of longing to go back to just uh, you know the quiet of my mind where I'm uh, writing and drawing comic panels uh, a little bit. But at the same time, I this thing um, you know took off in a way that we didn't quite expect, um, and so we are now looking for you know we kind of had to resign ourselves to like, okay, you know, we, we, we want to make more. We knew that, but we didn't know if we'd be able to, or if we'd have the justification to do that. So when we released it, we were just like, you know, if this is all there is, we ha- we, we, we tried our hardest. We did the best we absolutely could, you know, mm-hmm. with the budget we had and the time we had um, and, and the, the crew we had was amazing. And, and, you know, that's all we can really say is like, we, we, can, we can be proud of this. We did our thing. And if that's it, that's, that's all there is. And we, we have to walk away smiling from that. Uh, and, um, you know, and, and I feel else like was out of our control. So it's like, yeah. you can only, uh, hope for what you can realistically hope for basically, or rather you can only make that like the, the, the base goal and you could hope for better, but you know, yeah. yeah. So we were thinking, you know, in my mind, you know, I was looking at other things that, that I thought were comparable and, and, you know, looking at like their, their viewership and stuff and like, mm-hmm. how did they manage their releases and, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. And, um, and I was thinking, yeah, I, I don't know, based on a lot of what I'm seeing on YouTube, maybe this thing will like totter its way to a million views or so after six, eight months. I don't know. And we only came um, up with that math after like the trailer did as well. As we had, was. we had a million views in 24, 25 hours. So, um, yeah, that was release. like, Oh, that was like, <laughs> oh, okay. Was like, okay. Uh, all right. 
<laughs> yeah, so that that my expectations were blown away in a very excellent mm-hmm. fashion. And um, so now we're like, uh, we find ourselves in a position where we have a lot of options. Um, we just have to pick one mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and work out the, the all the legal details and, and things in, in that way. And so, yeah, we're, we're really looking to make more. We we're we know that we're going to make more shorts. We just don't know under what um, mm-hmm. circumstances, if we're going to be doing it for YouTube, if we're going to be doing it for a streaming network of some kind, I don't know yet. Um, but we are exploring all those options very seriously right now. And uh, yeah, trying to figure out what our, you know, what our exact next steps are. Um, we just know that we're, we're dedicated to making more of this. And, and I'm going to also go back and make more comics because I really need yeah. to finish volume three. Um, yeah, Spike's waiting on me for that too. So Spike is also, you know, was our executive producer, but is also my book publisher. So, uh, yeah, Spike wants another book. So, um, gonna be working. I'm sure on a that. lot of people want more books at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, crashed I, I the wanna... website. <laughs> yeah. I got a lot of new comic readers out of that, uh, you know, that release too, which was great. So I, I do have a lot of people going like, well, when's the next comic update? When's the next comic update? I'm like, I'm working on it. Give me a bit of it. I haven't had a day <laughs> off in like two years. <laughs> So, oh, come um, on. It's fine. Yeah. Who you sleep? <laughs> just like give me a minute to just get my feet back underneath me. But, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's, you know, been a flurry of activity since the premiere. We kind of thought it, things would go quiet after that, but they have not. No, and that's, you know, no. but that's a good thing. And um, mm-hmm. however, you know, worn out we are, we, we all need a break, but uh, we're, you know, it'll be a happy break where we, we know we've got like, you know, a path in front of us where we're going to, you know, find a way to make more of this. And I'm really mm-hmm. excited about that. So. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Well, Tracy, Fable, Zach, and somewhere in the background there is Zach's cat. I did see you for a second. I saw <laughs> oh, the cat. There for, he is. I saw the cat for a second. Yeah. Uh, thank you all so a much. Beautiful for... man. Aw, it's a pretty cat. Who's behind you, Tracy? Oh, that's Yellow Cat over there. He's very old, old man. Um, yeah. Snooze in there. Oh, and Gigi was on my lap for most of the time, but oh. you probably couldn't see her at all. I don't know. She was a little under the camera, but yeah. yeah. My cat is somewhere around here. I guess he's uh, feeling shy. But anyway, uh. Uh, <laughs> thank you all so much. I've really enjoyed talking about this. Of course, loving the comic, loving the pilot. And, and uh, for the folks at home, you go to lackadaisycast.com. It's all there. Find this thing on YouTube. Watch it. Of course, you know, follow the creators, follow the voice actors. You know, let them know what you think. And uh, certainly, hoping for uh, another installment for the comic and for the pilot. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much. This is Matches Below, and you're watching Citywide Blackout. Justice for all. And that brings this episode to a close. Thanks to everyone for listening, and be sure to follow the show on Facebook at Citywide Blackout and Twitter and Instagram at CitywideMax. You can reach me at citywidemax at yahoo.com to suggest a guest or submit music for the Blackout Collection playlist. You can find the show wherever you check out your favorite podcasts, and new episodes are aired every Saturday at 10 p.m. EST on Boston Free Radio. That's all for now, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>